if you don't like how yesterday played and you do nothing about it today, tomorrow is going to live like yesterday. That's just a fact. That's not genius statement. It's just how it's going to work. My father-in-law told me that on his deathbed, a lifetime is a long time, but it didn't take me long to live it. And my dad said, what a beautiful, accurate summarization of life. It is a long time. It's all you've got. And whether it's 10 years or 110 years, you'll look back and it won't take you long to live it. That is the voice of today's guest, Lon Strohshine. And a heads up, lots of profanity in this one. You are listening to The Stimulus Podcast. Hello, my friends. How you doing? I hope you're well. For those of you new to the show, my name is Rob Orman. I spent 20 years as an emergency physician and am now a physician coach. My mission is to help docs get unstuck, unburnt, and kick ass in their careers and lives. And this is my pod, where we talk about ways to do that. So welcome. I'm glad you came. Our guest today is Lon Strohshine. Lon spent many years as an executive. His career is so storied. I'm just going to say he was an aerospace executive, but there was like a lot more to it. So he was an aerospace executive and from what I can tell, reached the pinnacle of his field. And then one day, I left it all in the rearview mirror, what he calls the trade, trading in your career, trading it for something else. He's the author of the book, The Trade. Absolutely lovely. I listened to it on several snowblowing sessions in a recent blizzard. And in that book, he talks about his journey working with others in a similar position. He is also host of the Normal 40 podcast, where he speaks with folks who have made the trade, how they do it, how they did it, how it went, the wins, the losses, and everything in between. Lon Strohshine, such a delight to have you. Rob. Thank you. I just, uh, you made me sound like I've achieved something here. I, this is great. I'm just going to go back and listen to that a time or two. <laughs> so we are going to get into the deep and the deep of it. But first, this little bit of loveliness. Do you ever find that you get out of shifts later than you'd like? Maybe you consistently have a stack of charts to complete at the end of the day, even get into chart debt or are thwarted by interruptions that disrupt your workflow. If none of those things ring true for you, just skip ahead a minute. However, if you're nodding your head thinking, yeah, I relate to that, keep listening. Because I want to tell you about a new course that I'm offering along with my coaching partner, Scott Weingart. It's called Out on Time. It's no mystery that finishing shifts late or taking charts home gets old fast, and it also can contribute to burnout. So we have created a course specifically to address this out on time. In this course, we're going to teach you how to complete your charts during the flow of work on shift. I know I can, sometimes that can sound like an impossibility, but it is doable. Manage interruptions, write efficient notes that bill well, make bomber critical care notes, med protective charting, effective shift flow, how to get out on time. Out on time is a bit of a boot camp. This is not passive learning. It is six sessions over 10 weeks where you are going to work hard building new habits. And you're also going to have fun doing it. Why do I say that? 
It's because every clinician that we've worked with using these methods has been, I'd say, pleasantly shocked at how their on-shift experience improves, but more so, their lives outside of work are better because they're getting home earlier. They don't have charts to worry about. They could be more present in their own lives. This is going to be the only iteration of Out on Time that will be fully live. In the future, it is going to be an asynchronous course. So if you want a live, real-time experience, this is your chance. And if you heard all that and you think, oh, yes, yes, sign me up, go to outontimecourse.com. Even if you think, hmm, maybe, still go to outontimecourse.com. It's all one word, outontimecourse.com. Check it out. See what it's all about. Feel free to email with any questions. The course begins August 15th, 2024. See you there. Lon, we both work with professionals. Me, primarily with physicians. You with primarily like, uh, the rest of planet Earth. It's folks who feel like what they're doing or how they're doing it or where they are is not quite it. And it brings up this question. Do I double down on what I'm doing? Do I shift my mindset? Do I focus on my current career so that I can move it closer to what my ideal job looks like? Or do I cut bait, pop smoke, drop the mic, make the trade, trade my current career for another? Now, there's not really a right answer to this, I think, but I think there is a wrong answer. And I think that when you have that sense of, mm, is this quite it? The wrong answer is to not examine that feeling. That's exactly right. There's a whole bunch of people who get to the top of their game after 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of dedicating their life to something. And they arrive at this place where they thought they wanted to be, and they did for good reason. It wasn't an accident. They worked, they sacrificed, they traded, they traveled, they work nights, they work long shifts, they took shifts, they did all the things to get exactly where they're at. And then they arrive at this place and one day they show up to work and they don't feel as successful as they look from the outside. And they become lost on themselves for what in the hell they're going to do about it. Because from the outside looking in, man, they've got everything they want. They got the thing they said they were going to do 20 years ago. They achieved the thing that they said looked impossible 10 years ago. They've got the car. They've got the house. They've got the office. They've got the trips. They've got the family. They've got everything that they said that they were going to get and they've got it. Who in their right mind shouldn't feel good about that? So they just hide. They tamp it down. They assume it's going to get better. And they're not happy about where things are at. And so going all the way back, going all the way back to the point that you're making, you really only have two options. Do nothing and tolerate another yesterday. That is an option. And by the way, maybe it's not even the wrong one. It's an option. Or two, you can do something about it. You can figure out why you're not happy and you can actually go through a process to trade what you have and who you've become, chuck them up a sunk cost and do something about it. If you don't feel the way you want to feel, do something. Wait a second. Tolerate another yesterday. I've never heard that before. Tell me more about that. Your Sunday pit. Let's talk about that. It's four o'clock on Sunday. You've had a great weekend. You've been hanging out with your family. Now it's four. Getting ready for dinner. And that fucking pit starts to low in your belly. And it just starts to percolate. And it's there. You know what it is. Why it's there. Because you get it every Sunday. 
And it just starts to grow through the night. And now it's after dinner and you're doing dishes and your kids are going to bed in this pit and you're thinking about tomorrow and you're starting to look at your agenda for the week and you have no time in your, all of that, 100% of it is a loss of freedom. It's your loss of control. It's the loss of change that you can make in real time. All of it is what you've traded away. It's your reality. And it shows up as this pit. And what that is, the pit of what you are tolerating in your life. I, as I coach people, they usually get to the point where they've confessed that something isn't right or they're frustrated by something and they wish something wasn't like this and they wish it could be more like this. As you look at your windshield, you can tell me in the week ahead what it is you don't like. And you can articulate how it looked last week and how it played out. What you haven't done for me yet is tell me what you're going to do about it. I mean, because you're tolerating it. Look, I know that sounds like that's super easy for you to say. You quit your job and blah, blah, blah. But there's this thing you have to understand about where you're at. Our audience, Rob, our audience of people who are really successful, done more than most, achieved more than most, the 1% of the 1%, all of the, all the great things from the outside looking in, these are the people who have built the life that they want. And so for you to walk away from that or to say that, look, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore, that's really hard. But you, the if you're listening to this podcast, you have more control over what you will tolerate than you're giving yourself permission to believe. You have actually a lot of control. Now, it's going to lead to an awkward conversation. For you to actually take some of that control back, for you to take some of that freedom back, for you to take back who you used to be, that guy, remember him? That's going to require an awkward conversation without a doubt. But here's your choice. You can have an awkward conversation and try to make it better, or you can accept the awkwardness, or you can tolerate another yesterday, because that's what you're going to live. If you don't like how yesterday played and you do nothing about it today, tomorrow is going to live like yesterday. That's just a fact. That's not genius statement. It's just how it's going to work. So until you can take a step back, rise above the situation, get look at the, look at holistically at what's going on, what's causing that pit, and make one small change so that you have a chance of being slightly different tomorrow, you're tolerating yesterday. Oh, I want to talk about the pit. Uh, I, I hadn't put this together in my mind, but the pit for me is one of the main things that got me into coaching, into, into coaching physicians specifically, because so many docs feel the pit every day that they go in. And I, I, want, to, I just want to tell you about my pit since we're sharing. We're rambling, baby. We are rambling. We're in the pit. Let's go, boss. For the first, I'd say, 12 years of my career as an attending physician, I worked on the flagship of the biggest health system on, like, in my region. Everybody thought, oh, this is, this is just the greatest hospital. We're the greatest. We're the greatest. For me, there were so many aspects of that job which were incredibly stressful. Uh, you know, it, some, something, one way that my brain works, which is discordant with emergency medicine, is when I have too much parallel processing going on, it's hard for me to focus. If it's a serial processing and I'm working on one thing intensely, it's great. And I didn't really understand how to structure systems to, to deal with those multiple inputs. I thought I just had to just do it, just figure it out. And this was the busiest ER in the state, as well as the flagship. And so that volume and that parallel processing every day, I was just assaulted with it. And I, I didn't know what to do with it. Now I do, because I had to figure it out. And this was part of the trade. But 
I would drive into work every freaking day. The listeners of the show have probably heard this story a couple times. There was this one point I would drive onto the highway. I had a 12-minute commute. This was minute eight. Boom. I could feel the pit. It was like every acid-secreting cell on my stomach activated at once. And it was, ooh, is that going to perforate? That's just a lot. Every day. And then one day, driving into work. And, and I had thought, and I had made many trades within that career. I didn't realize there were trades, but I said, okay, I need to move this to be more like my ideal job. And I did all sorts of things. I didn't actually address the main issue, which was dealing with the volume and the parallel processing, which is what I really ought to have been focusing on. But I was like, oh, I'll get in this leadership role. I'll do this project. I'll kind of work on these efficiencies. But one day I'm driving in and I feel the pit and it's a traffic jam. Now I'm late for the work and I start feeling the stress rise up in me and I'm getting tight, getting tense. And just out of nowhere comes this primordial scream. Ah, just so loud. I could feel my, one of my vocal cords pop. And then I thought, what am I doing? This, this is not the only option for me in life. I need to be doing something else. Because as you say, I was tolerating another yesterday and I was also accumulating stress of tolerating each one of those yesterdays. And it was like this lineal PTSD over 12 years of these, just like these micro insults. And the pit just exploded and released. And after that, I did make a change. And it was amazing when I traded that one job for another clinical job that was perfectly suited for me. It was the pinnacle of my clinical career. It was amazing. It was lovely. It was the perfect job. That, when you say the pit, is what comes up for me. The pit, I call it a tax. Sometimes it's due every day. In your case, it was on minute eight of a 12-minute commute. It was a tax. You're going to pay it every single day. For me, after I got into the week, it, it wasn't so much through the week, but it was that Sunday, man, Sunday pit. Oh, and then two days before the end of a vacation, mm. I paid tax the last three days of the vacation as I thought about going back and what it was going to be like. And, and it never goes away, but it is optional. Not paying it is a trade, but it is an optional tax. And it just never goes away until you finally stare it in the face and you call it out and you do something about it. You, you can't wish it away. It doesn't heal. It doesn't just fix itself. And here is almost exclusively again and again when I say, okay, man, tell me what you're feeling right now. And without question, they all say the same thing. I feel like I'm on autopilot. I'm frustrated as hell and I don't know who to talk to. I feel controlled. And I don't have any way to escape it. I'm uncertain about why I'm still here. And I don't know how, what to do to change it. I feel lost in my own profession. I'm stressed out every day. I'm annoyed at work. And even worse, I'm annoyed at home. I'm the prick my family has to live with most days. I'm alone. I feel paralyzed, stale. I feel like I worked myself into this box of goodness that I can't possibly claw myself out of. I feel stuck here and I can't leave. I feel like I've got anxiety. I feel caged up, just like you talked about in your car. You felt like you're in a freaking cage, so you just screamed way out of it. I feel disconnect, and God damn it, I miss my family. And they probably miss me too. And by the way, you know what else I feel? I feel shame and guilt for having so much. Guess what? Shit's hard, and it's lonely. So 
When you're on autopilot, frustrated, uncertain, lost, stressed, annoyed, paralyzed, caged, all those things, and you've got no one to talk to, that's a tax that will bring anyone down. And if you're not careful, it'll break you. It'll break you right in half. And it will bring a lot of things down with you. So I created this, I created Normal 40 so that at least people could understand they're not alone. And if I can be part of that solution, great. If I can't, but I can get you to accept that you can do something about it, perfect. Perfect. Go do something. But that's how I got here. But it also came as part of my tax, my pit. That's what brought me here. Mm. I think that when most have that sense of, I've lost that love and feeling with their job, or for a, a lot of ER docs, it's a real extremist. This is not sustainable. It's such an intense pressure. There's so much continuous overwhelm. But you've lost that love and feeling one way or another. You're losing it. They're in a pretty established life. And there's this idea that I have a lot more to lose now than I did when I was younger. And that current job can feel like golden handcuffs. And you had mentioned the sunk cost before. Get that to that sunk cost fallacy. I think a really important thing to remember is that when you made that decision to go on your current path, to become a doctor, a lawyer, go into the army for 20 years, when you made that initial decision and set your current compass heading, you were by definition a different person than you are now. The self is a process and we massively lock in this major decision at this one point. And it's a major decision almost always with insufficient information. We grow, we evolve, we have a different worldview, but we made that decision to think, oh, I invested my life in this. And so if I change it, as I, when you said the, like the guilt, the shame of, of all this, I change this, I'm just wasting all that time. And that's a real trap. Yeah, man. I call it the box. You've worked yourself into the box. It's the box you wanted to get into. And by the way, everybody who's not in the box wants in that goddamn box. <laughs> they, so they want so in. Funny. You want it in. Yeah. We all want in that box. Oh, man. Want in what, the box. Oh, what we sacrifice to get into the box. Yes. We try, we work. Our, and then when we're in the box, this is the first thing I did when I was starting normal 40. I'm like, I was trying, I was just diagnosing myself. Yeah. I'm like, what am I feeling? Why can't I just be happy? I've got the job I always wanted. I'm making more money than I thought possible only five years ago. I work for a company I really love. I'm working hard. I'm doing good work. We're doing good things. Why can't I just feel happy about everything I've got? And I realized that I'd worked myself literally into the box. And here's the walls of the box. I had a great title. My job wasn't in jeopardy. It probably was never really going to be in jeopardy. It was just there as long as I wanted to do it. Everything around me was good enough. I could get a meeting with anyone I wanted just based on my associations. I had a great reputation. The company had a great reputation. It had really good comp. My image, I, it gave me a great image and I had a good image. I had the title, I had the car, I had the house, I had the corner office, I had everything you could imagine that comes with the sterling image. You had closed the biggest deal ever in your industry. It was like this, yeah. <laughs> like made all the trade journals, it was <laughs> Shine is the wunderkind. <laughs> yeah, but, the, but all of those things and it was safe and I had confidence and I didn't have to fear anything. All of those were boxes. Because now look, now if I was that guy and I was going to leave and I didn't have another job 
I wasn't going to another aerospace and defense contracting company. I wasn't going to do mergers and acquisitions. I was just going to leave. And I didn't have a Rolodex of clients and I didn't have a business to fall back on. I was just going to leave. Who does that? So what did I do? I stayed. I stayed for two years before I finally said, you know what? It's my time. I've got to bust down one of these walls and it won't be obvious what I'm going to do. It won't be free to do it. I'm going to give something up. It won't be easy because my image is important to me. My image is important to me, my title, and I, but I got to give that up. I'm no longer going to be the M&A guy at a public company. It's going to be a trade. It is going to require a trade. You are going to give something up to get where you're going, to leave, to quit paying the tax you're paying, to become who you're capable of being next and you fucking know it, but you don't know how to get there. You got to trade, man. Something's got to go. And until you confess and acknowledge and accept that something's going to be traded in this process, you're going to stay. But the moment you say, yeah, you know what? I am willing to trade some of this. I am willing to give up some income. I am willing to give up my image. I am willing to do that in trade for my time back, for my life back, for my spouse back, for time with my kids back. That's part of the trade too. It's part of the trade you don't do the math on because math to us in our mid-40s is financial math. And what we're wrestling with here is making the trade from the financial math of your life, making as much money as you thought you needed to make 20 years ago and you said, I want to be a doctor, to the time math of, holy shit, I'm getting old and I don't have as much time left with my kids as I thought I had. And I don't even have any guarantees that I've got enough life left in me as I thought I had. I got to do the math on my time. And that is where things get really uncomfortable because it forces this awkward conversation with yourself and it forces a dialogue about a trade and you're still at a place where you can't tell anybody how you feel and you're paying the tax. And eventually that dam breaks. As you're saying that, just brings up this documentary my wife and I watched last night about Bob Marley. The interviewer asked him, I said, so are you rich? And he said, what do you mean, am I rich? Are you rich? Are you wealthy? What does that mean? Do you have millions of dollars? He said, is that what you think rich means? <laughs> it's like, rich is if I'm giving and helping other people. If I'm able to do it, that's rich to me. Uh, it was something like that. And of course, there's also, you've got to take a look at your finances. You've got to take a look at, how, do a financial inventory. How much is coming in? How much is going out? What are my investments? What's my debt? You've got to be a realist about it. But when you were talking about the math, the finances, I think that's the trap that says, am I going to tolerate another yesterday? The money. I guess I am. And it's so true. There are two things that keep people where they're at. When, they're, when they are where we're talking, this person who doesn't have to leave, but they want to, who makes a lot and feels guilty about continuing to be there, the person who's dedicated their life to something or someone, the person who's a problem solver, the person who usually is the provider in their home, the person who's lived life and checked every box that's come their way. They've got the grades, they put in the time, they put in the hours, they've checked all the boxes, they've just done things right. They've outperformed their own expectations and they're at the pinnacle of their career and they're wondering why they can't be happy. That person. When it's time for them to really get serious about making a change, there's two things that will hold them where they're at. One, money. Of course. And by the way, let's call it what it is. That is fucking normal. Okay. Fine. That's okay. Money's fine, but it will keep you there. 
that is one of the two things that'll keep you there. The other thing that after you get over that, after you say, okay, I can make 10% less, I can make 20% less, I can make 50% less, I can make 80% less. I'm willing to trade 80% for something else. I just don't know what it is. The other thing that will keep people right where they're at and prevent them from making the first step, their image. Your image is what you need other people to believe you feel. Your image is what you believe you need other people to believe you have, want, and do. Your image is your country club. Your image is your car. Your image is your white coat. Your image is Dr. Rob Orman. But sometimes the trade requires that you give that up. Me, public company executive. Guess what? That's just gone. It's part of my past. I had to give that up. That was part of my calculus. Yeah, I gave up the money. And when I was ready to give that up and go figure it out, because I felt like I'm smart enough to figure out a plan B here, walking away from my image, that was just as hard because I manufactured it. I spent 20 years building that image. Not my ego. It wasn't my ego. My ego was like, dude, go do this. Go take a bet on yourself, man. You don't need this job. My ego was pure. My ego was leading me correctly. It was my image that was saying, ah, you sure? You work pretty hard to get here, man. You don't have to go. And so those are the two things that you got to learn how to navigate or you're probably going to keep tolerating another day in the ER. Talking about that image identity, I think a lot of times, I know it was with me, you don't really examine it. When you make the big trade, I may tell you what, you do examine it. But as you look forward, so let's just talk about physicians. And some questions, I learned this as a great construct, which is incredibly effective. I can't even remember who I learned it from. So first question to ask, what is the identity, or we can say image, what does the image or identity of being a physician mean to you? What's it mean to you? And what's beneficial about that? Because there's a lot of awesome things about it. And then look at the other side. How does that identity or image or that projection trap you or get in the way? And as you look forward, what's a missing part of your identity that you'd like to cultivate that is being thwarted or underfed or held under while you're trying to keep your head above water? I think that more than money, to your point, image and identity are some of the hardest things to let go. Yeah, because you literally have spent the last 20 years of your life manufacturing it. Yeah. Literally. And so it, and it's not a criticism. It makes perfect sense, in fact. That doesn't make it easy, and it doesn't make it obvious, and it makes you feel gross to think that, oh, I'm staying for my image. Yeah, guess what? It probably does, but it makes you normal. Oh, but Who you're not saying wanna... it's not an overt thing. It's it's almost subconscious that it's it's like on stealth mode. It's a stealth anchor that you're not even aware of. Maybe I don't know. I think I think. Look, I'll talk about me. Yeah, I know me, and I know what I did. I was really goddamn proud of the fact that as a public company executive, I fought harder for my title than I did for my pay. I really put a lot of effort into my image. I was good at what I did, but my image was really important to me, man. It just was more than pay. 
my guess is if my CEO would have said, hey, Lon, look, here's the deal. We're going to make you executive vice president, blah, 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 or we're going to give you a 20% raise, which would you rather have? I would have wrestled with that. My mm. image, man, mm. it's damn important. And there's good reason for that because the bigger the title, bigger those things. When I would go in and negotiate with the company to acquire, those things were helpful to that. So there's goodness there. But part of it is just gross. It's my image. I wanted it to be as kick-ass as it could be. And that is what it is. You can judge me for that, but it's the truth. Yeah. My image really is important and I manufactured it. I gave it attention. I cultivated it. I cared for it. And so when you walk away from that, it's okay. I used to be that guy. I'm not that anymore. Now it's liberating. Liberating is hell, in fact, like amazing liberating. But for the point in my life where one of the most important things that I could do for myself was to make sure that my image was what I wanted it to be, that was a pretty big deal. I, th I think that it is stealth in the way that it traps you. It's not stealth that, oh, I have this image and it is because it, it's in the forefront. It's projected in front of me like bugling fanfare. But I don't realize that it is also potentially this thousand pound anchor that I might need to attend to. I don't know. I mean, the, the, the yes, that's beautifully said. And that is such a great clever because when you're, this is why it's, this is why this is going to be news to people. Everybody knows this, the finances. I got to walk away from X amount of dollars a year. Everybody yeah. knows that one. But when you say, yeah, but you got to give up your image too, you're making this point beautifully. And I'm so glad you brought us back to this. It is the surprise hard thing that you have to, that's more than likely, unless you're going to go be a doctor in another system, you're going to go be an executive in another company, you're going to go be a CFO in another organization, whatever, unless you're going to trade one organization for the next, you're going to give up your image, at least parts of it. And you don't realize how much you think you are through your image until all of a sudden one day you wake up and realize, oh my gosh, I'm giving that up too? Ooh, okay. What am I, how am I going to answer the question? I remember after I left, I would go to some social functions and the question I fucking hated was, so what do you do? Look, that used to be the ultimate icebreaker of every social networking thing ever. Oh, my name's Lon Strachan. Oh, yes. Okay. So where do you work? Oh, so, and so what do you do? Oh, okay. I do such and such. That was just the thing. Now I'm a former public company executive. Yeah. I didn't have any paid clients. I was a freelancer. I was trying to figure some shit out. I was building this following that I didn't even know was there months earlier. And I had no idea what I was doing. So I hated the question. The thing I used to love to answer, I loved it when people would ask me, so what you do? Because here's what's my answer. I'm a senior staff member for a United States Senator. That's pretty cool. I liked saying that. Next. So what do you do for the next six years of my life? I'm an executive at a $2 billion bank here in my hometown, and I do investment banking for private clients. Oh, that's pretty cool. Next. What do you do for the last 14 years of my professional career? I'm a public company executive leading mergers and acquisitions and strategy for an, an aerospace and defense contracting company in a precision ag company. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Now, what do you do? I used to, I, I used to buy companies. I was part of a big deal. Trust me. Uh, I coach people, I guess. It, it, when <laughs> you have to, when you're, it, you don't realize how much your image is caught up in your title until all of a sudden you have to just be you. I, I remember when I, so I had several internal trades, like tectonic internal trades within medicine, but I was always a doctor. 
I'm a physician. I'm an emergency physician. And it was great because I was continually creating my ideal job and I was doing it. After 21 years, I left for a while. I was a professional podcaster. That was what I did. That was my job. And it was in medical education. So I had to be a doctor to do it. I was, you know, still a physician, still licensed. But really, my job was podcaster. And I remember I, I was writing something on one of the kids' applications for I don't know what. said, what is your career? And I wrote down podcaster. And now I write down physician coach. The first time I wrote that podcaster, I thought, that is weird. And as I felt at first, I felt a little bit lesser, like I had joined the masses and left this special club. Now, I'm never not going to be a physician or have that experience or and all those things, but I wrote that down. And then I thought, whoa, that's actually pretty awesome. It almost felt as I was writing it down, I, I, I'd never thought about this before. It almost felt like I was writing down a joke. And it'll be this inside joke just for me. It was kind of hard to write it because I had written just physician for so many years. And yeah, phys- let me write that in all caps. In fact, let me get a Sharpie to write that. I'm going to write it forward. I might yeah, even write man. it backward on the last line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the real deal. And it was hard for me too. But at the same time, it is a sort of magic that you can't fully articulate into words for somebody who hasn't quite experienced it yet. The magic of knowing what you sound like when you get to be you, it is incredible. It is incredibly freeing. And it is, it's a, this, I'm only a few years into this in my life, but it took me a while to remember what it sounded like when it sounded like me, Mm. what it felt like when I just got to be me. Cause so much of our day was for a boss for a patient, for a chart, for a study, for insert everything that really wasn't me. It was through me and by me, but it wasn't really me. So learning how, learning what you sound like when you get to be you actually takes some getting used to. But man, when you get there, it is the most magical, beautiful, hard fought, worth the trade thing you get to experience. Hey friends, if you haven't already, check out the free resources that we have at roborman.com. These were all made to address specific pain points in medical practice. Scripting your least favorite conversations, my four favorite documentation templates, the quick and dirty guide to calling consults, and the driveway debrief. You can find them all under the freebies tab on the website, or you can click the link in the show notes to get right to them. All right, back to the show. And I want to go back to the itch or the pit or the tolerating another yesterday or that feeling of, all right, I'm not sure how long I can keep doing this and my family doesn't know me and there's something needs to change. Something needs to change in how I'm approaching my vocation, your job, your career. So we and we later found this out this wasn't wasn't how we met that we trained in the same coaching academy and learned a methodology i'm going to list out the methodology in its raw form and then i want to ask you to describe it in your words because i think it's just so 
catchy and easy to understand. So you have this feeling that I think I, I might want to change careers. I might want to change something within my career. So you got the itch, got the ache. First step, explore, look around, look at your internal dialogue. What do you like? What do you not like? Read, listen, see what the possibilities are. You may even know, you may have always wanted to be a high school science teacher or a pilot or a CEO or, or something. May have, it may have always been there. So explore. Then investigate new possibilities. And you do research, you do shadowing, you do informational interviews, you ask people what it's like, and then you go see, oh, what does that job actually look like as it's part of someone's life? Then you decide, I want to try this out. I think I want to go for it. So you put in some time, you put in some money, you get some training, and you level up so that you can do this. Now, for a lot of you listening, you're actually already leveled up to, be, to do a lot of things. You don't need additional training. You can just jump in. But sometimes, like for what Lon and I did, oh, I actually need to invest because I need to learn this new skill. I need to at least learn the language. And then, as you say, you make the trade. One of the best things you can do as somebody who's helping somebody through this is just do everything you can do to simplify it. So when you're there, there's, the process is huge and long. But the first thing is, is you have to give yourself this ounce of permission and then acknowledge that it isn't going the way you want it to go. You have to say, okay, tolerating another yesterday isn't going to work for me. So I either am going to do nothing and continue to tolerate, or I'm going to do something. And just that, if you just stop for a second and say, okay, something here isn't right. You've started. You've actually started a process because up until that moment, you haven't. Up until that moment, you've just thought you were going to grind. So the moment you give yourself the permission and you accept how you feel and you acknowledge that maybe you need to make a change, that is huge, a huge first step. And so when you're there and you're like, okay, now what? The first step is to explore. And look, this is what I tell people. You, after 20 years of doing what you've been doing, you've forgotten how to dream. We all have. We don't have time to dream. Are you kidding me? To think about what we'd rather be doing instead of what we are doing? No, we've got time to do what we're here to do and bitch about the people who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. That's it. And we get really good at both. <laughs> and so we don't have time to dream. We've forgotten. <laughs> And it's hard. I'm serious. It is hard to remember. So what I tell people is fine. Go explore something. Start dreaming. Dream about what it could be. Find a place where you get to be you, where you're not going to be on call, where you're not going to get a text, where you're not going to get bothered, and just dream like you used to when you were 19, before you decided to go to med school, before you decided to go to law school, before you decided to become an architect, before you decided to join the Marine Corps, whatever channel that back. And whatever comes to mind, be open to it. Don't judge it. Just explore it. Exploring is literal. Like You can go to the internet or you can go volunteer somewhere. That's literal. But you can just explore yourself. What did I used to want to be? What did I used to dream about? Just explore it. That's it. It costs you $0 and about 10 hours of your time. And just let it be. And to the best of your ability, write it down. Write, just start writing. Don't judge that either. Don't judge it. Just write it down. 
just explore it. Let me pause you for one second on that, on explore. When you're talking about writing it down, have you ever heard of, or have you done morning pages? No. This is an amazing exercise. Some people do it every day as an exercise, but for times like this that are transitional times, when you're trying to process all this stuff and explore, you're talking about writing it down. So morning pages are first thing in the morning, hopefully before you even talk to anybody, definitely before you've looked at any electronic device. You sit down in quiet, as you're saying, in quiet, in private, and you write three free association pages with pen and paper or pencil and paper, not typing. And you just get it down. And whatever is in your brain, just get out there because so much stuff is noodling around that when you're talking about exploring, there's more in there than you're even aware. And, and you think, oh, I'm just stuck. I'm just stuck. Okay, just start writing. And what comes out of that is so revelatory. And it's not even you have to keep it. He just, I actually, I just crumble mine up and throw them away. It's okay, <laughs> I, I, I got it out there. But it just, it's such a release. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So people, even that, how do I dream? Look, that sounds horrible. But guess what? I bet the people listening are like, holy shit, I haven't really dreamed about. Mm. I know what I don't want anymore. I know what's driving this pit, but I don't know what I would do instead. To your point, the morning pages, you're just knocking the dust off and sweeping all of the, getting rid of all the rocks and everything that you've tossed on top of the dreams that you used to have. You used to know what you love to do. You used to know what lights you up. You used to know what you'd do for free because it fills you instead of takes from you. You used to know that stuff. You don't anymore. It's just dreaming. You just got to uncover it. Sounds easy, does hard, but exploring is absolutely the first step. And you've got to carve out the time. You got to get free and then you got to do it. All right. So we've got explore. We've got <laughs> at, no, we're rambling, man. Holy shit. We are, we will bring it back. We do have the callbacks and the arc backs. So we've got explore, but how do we get from explore to the trade? Yeah. Exploring, actually giving yourself permission to explore is, is one of the harder steps. But after you're in it, then at some point you're going you're gonna to do something and it's going to make sense and it's going to light something up in you that feels a little different. And at that point, you got to do something. One of my hashtags is JFDS. JFDS is just fucking do something. Now you've got an idea. Now you kind of know it's lighting you up. Just fucking do something. Don't overthink it. Don't make it perfect. This isn't a surgery that requires all of the nuance and the support and the machines and the education. Just fucking do something. So if you want to change what you're doing and you want to you want to become an airline pilot, I don't care. You want to become a consultant for attorneys to help them understand what cases are good and bad in medical malpractice. Whatever it is, I don't care. Do something. What are we going to do? So you got to go through that process of learning and investing. And this is the first place you're going to have to lean into your courage because now you're doing something. It's more just thinking. It's more than you just dreaming. Now you're doing something. Now you're volunteering somewhere, but it's an essential step because you might learn you love it, but you also might learn you hate it. And both, they share equal value. You have to learn and invest. Uh, and that's step two. And then step three, test it, go deeper, share it. This is where you're really trying. This is where your courage to do something starts to turn into the confidence you're going to need to keep doing it. It becomes a little bit more public here. If you're a doc and you're going to do something on the side, this is where you're telling people, this is where you're trying to get a client. This is where it becomes public that something else is going on. 
So it's a hard step. You haven't necessarily traded yet. You haven't quit anything. You haven't had to quit anything. You're just doing something on the side, something you still might learn to hate or you still might learn to love, but you're doing it on the side, but you're doing it and you're sharing it with people and you're learning how to talk about it and you're learning how to make money from it. That's part of this deal. And then the last thing is you go through this and then you decide, okay, now it's all in front of you. You've got the confidence. You've got the record. You've got the experience of what you're building on the side and you've got to decide, is it time to trade? Are you going to make the trade? Walk away from the W-2, walk away from the image and do this other thing? Or are you not? Or are you going to wait? And the question I always ask everybody, the thing I ask myself a hundred times, not a hundred times, about six times in my life and at points that matter was this simple question. Will I regret it if I don't? So I want everyone just to think about that for a minute. If this podcast is resonating with you, and if you are at a place where you're feeling all those things I talked about, and if you were the person who lives like the person I talked about, where you check the boxes, you live life right, you've dedicated your life to a single thing. If that's you and you're not happy with it, what are you going to do about it? And will you regret it if you don't try? Will you regret it if you don't try something else? If you wait two years or five years or 10 years, will you regret knowing this time? And when you're listening to this podcast, you know you should do something and you didn't, will you regret it? And if the answer to that is yes, then God damn it, start exploring something. Sign up for a ramble, call Rob, get on his calendar, whatever, fucking do something and start the process. It's an insurance policy that, God damn it, you don't get 10 years older and look back on this day and say, I wish I'd have tried. There is nothing more cruel than that. So this is your insurance policy. I think one of the big gifts that comes from going through a process like this is that when you are feeling stuck and really not knowing what to do and you're just not feeling it where you are right now. The horizon just looks pretty bleak. When you really have some agency here and say, JF, what is it? JF, what is your hashtag? DS, JFDS, just JF, do something. JFDS. When you embrace that JFDS, then you're shifting that to, and I think I, I saw, read this in your book, that now your best half is in front of you. It's not behind you. We think, I'm spent, I'm done, there's just nothing. No, actually, you got more to give. You got more to get. Best half is yet to come. Without a question. And I think that's part of the problem. The people who are listening to this are right there. These are the best days. Right now, tomorrow when I go to work is going to be the youngest I will ever be. It will be the most educated I've ever been. It will be the wealthiest I've ever been. It will be the most prepared I have ever been. And I'm going to do something with it or I'm going to live it like I did yesterday. Facts. Those are all 100% facts. That's the truth. So it's a, so you get there and it's, these are my best days. If you're in your mid forties, these are your best days to make a bet on you. That doesn't make it easy, but it does hopefully give you some hope in that you, there's a better way to spend them. Make sure you don't get 10 years older and your hands are more crinkly your eyes are more wrinkly and you look back and say, why didn't I do it 10 years ago? Man. I, so that is bringing to mind a, a doc 
I worked with for a couple of years who came thinking, I think I might want to change careers, but I still love things about emergency medicine and where I work, but there's also things that stress me and I'm not quite sure. And so we kind of had these parallel paths. One was, how do I make my current job as awesome as possible? What can I do internally? What can I do with my local ER? What can I do within my system? What can I do? Where's my agency there? But also at the same time, pursuing and exploring and just testing a little bit, all of these other things. And so they really got into the emergency medicine part of it. Okay, this is good. I'm really investing. But the other side things they were putting their fingers into, and I didn't hear from for a couple of months. And they said, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with this job. And I said, tell me if this statement is true. And then I, I, I know you say this too. Is this true? That this career has given you all that it can give and you have taken all that you can take. Does that ring true? And they said, hell yeah. I said, all right, <laughs> let's work on trading, baby. Because you just answered your own question. Yeah, your work there's done. If there's nothing left to take and there's nothing left to give, you're just in tolerate mode. Tolerate You're there mode. for a paycheck. You're just there for a paycheck, man. You're done learning and you're done giving. And it's time to go. And that's not easy. And it's not even a desirable place to be. But it's true. It is true. And so it's time to start doing the hard work. But what you realize in time, when you get to remember what it sounds like when you get to sound like you, and what you act like when you get to act like you, and what you laugh like when you get to laugh like you, all those things that used to just be there, it's a pretty special, hard-fought, not obvious, not easy trade to make. I want to finish up with something your grandfather said that you quoted. And he said, my lifetime is a long time, but it didn't take me long to live it. It was a conversation I was having with my dad about my dad, who's now 83. And it was a conversation with my dad about just getting older and he's in great health and nothing there. But, and he said, I remember when my dad said, I remember when I was your age talking to me. And he's like, my father-in-law told me that on his deathbed, a lifetime is a long time but it didn't take me long to live it. And my dad said, that never has made more sense to me than it does now. And that just stuck with me. I'm like, what a beautiful, accurate summarization of life. It is a long time. It's all you've got. It's 100% of what you've got, whether it's 10 years or 110 years, it's a lifetime. And whether it's 10 years or 110 years, you'll look back and it won't take you long to live it, man. So tolerating more yesterdays than you should it's just a bad way to do the math. It, it doesn't make it easy, but it's a bad way to do the math. And you'll come out the other side and you'll trade income, the income you think you're going to make for six or seven years while you grind out, and then you maybe will have saved enough to retire when you're 55. You'll trade that. You'll trade that lifestyle and that grind for something that you make less, but you can't wait to wake up and do it when you're 55, 60. 65, 70, 75. The trade isn't an episode. The trade isn't a year. The trade isn't, oh, I will quit and start. That is part of the trade. That's the, that's the price of entry. 
the trade is a lifetime. The lifetime you've spent the last 40 years becoming and the trade for the, how you're going to live the next 40 years in front of you. That's the trade. The book is the trade. It is available as a book, is available as an audiobook, which I personally recommend. The podcast is Normal 40. He is Lon Strohshine. How do people get a hold of you if they want to connect? Oh, man. It's super easy. Lon at normal40.com. Normal40.com finds me. I show up every day on LinkedIn. And it's truly, my biggest following is on LinkedIn. Every morning, I get up and I write something that morning. It's not rehearsed. It's not batched. It's, it's just... You talked about that. I think you call them morning pages. That Those are my morning pages. Every morning I get up, I go for a run, and then I sit down and I write. And I try to do it before 8 a.m. Central every single day. Sometimes it's shit. Sometimes it's gold. And I don't care because I don't write for everyone. I write for someone. And if that someone is you, you're going to get something out of it. So you can just go to LinkedIn, find under Lon Strohshine or Normal 40 on LinkedIn. It's basically the same thing. Oh, Lon, such a treat. This has been uh, in the works for a while. Didn't disappoint. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dude, we brought the heat today, man. This was a real treat to get to talk to you. And thanks for what you're doing. If there's one thing I know for sure, what you do is needed. Because as hard as physicians work, the walls around them are crumbling in and it's not their fault. The system's changing they're not leaving the organization as much as the system's leaving them. Mm. And it's a lonely, scary place to be. There aren't many professions that wear and feel like they've got as many sunk costs as a physician. Yeah. After the years of college, after the dollars spent to get there, after all the risks people took on them to get them there, after the lifestyle they've built, the hours they've logged, all the shit to get there, that is really hard work. And so to have a guide through that, like you are, man, that is fantastic. And that is it for today. And you know what? If you love medicine, but you find the job itself leaves a lot to be desired, I work with docs in your shoes who feel the same way and help them extend their careers and have fun doing it. Can you imagine driving to your next shift with a feeling of stoke and excitement. And then when you leave for the day, you think to yourself, hey, that was pretty damn great. We can help get you there. And you can reach out to me at roborman.com. Until the next time, my friends, be well and keep on rocking.